0: Before we begin today's show, with real guidance and the right coach, NBA teams go from good to great. And when these NBA teams get into the bubble, they'll certainly need guidance more than ever before. Just like real help from your State Farm agent can make all the difference in protecting what matters most. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help guide you through whatever life throws your way. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, subject to change, and restrictions apply. And a quick word from our friends over at AT&T. I know because we've been spending so much time at home over the last few months, there's been a lot of online shopping going on. Luckily, AT&T started doing two really helpful things for those of you who want to buy a new phone or device online, which by the way, this was me after I ran my car over my iPhone. That's right. I ran my car over my iPhone and needed a new device. Anyway, AT&T is offering a fast, free, no-contact delivery and curbside pickup so that online shopping is as simple and safe as possible. On top of that, they have a flexible return policy so you can shop at ease. You can visit att.com to learn how to shop online from the safety of your home 24-7. And one more thing. I just wanted to give our listeners a reminder that as we inch closer to the return of basketball, we've got some more podcasts that you can listen to. After you're done with our show, of course. The Woj Pod and The Low Post, two great basketball podcasts, which you can download, subscribe, rate and review wherever
1: you get your podcasts. They're making me do my own makeup. i got to buy all this crap. (laughs) Seriously. It's great, actually, because I do love Mac. I do love Mac uh, blush, so I'm happy. I'm a I'm a L'Oreal. Uh, Are you okay? Married myself. Yep, very
0: good. A L'Oreal
2: man.
1: I found a brand new mascara that's just dynamite that I had never heard of. That I will keep buying for my own personal use going forward.
2: I'm gonna take the heel of my hand and like rub it down my nose to try to take the shine off, guy.
0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing today with Jackie McMullen in Boston. Hi, Jackie. How are you doing? Ryan, I'm doing fine. You're very excited because you found an eyeliner that you like. You were telling (laughs) us. Stop uh, Stop. No one cares. (laughs) I'm applying makeup um, to my face when I I go on TV as well. I might want to hear about this eyeliner. Yeah,
1: I'll get back to you on it. We'll talk later.
0: Tim McMahon in Dallas. How's your eyeliner supply, Tim? Uh, it is about where it's been my entire
2: life. So I'm good. okay with that.
0: Very good. Um, so we have interesting days. You know, the, the protocol has been out. The 108 page protocol has been out. I mean, there's a lot of coverage on that. Um, if you want to hear about rules about ping pong and stuff, I mean, you can hear about that other places, you know. Um, but, uh, Jackie, I continue to be fascinated, and I don't know if fascinated is the right verb, because I, my feelings are a little stronger than that. But I continue to be fascinated by um, what I'm basically calling the third party, the, the independent party of players who is pushing back, uh, you know, the, the, the two parties that normally operate this, um, the NBA league office slash ownership uh, and the players union, they have been working together side by side. And we have this third party led by Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley. And um, they have, they are saying things They are They're, they're giving commentary and they're putting out statements. This is not just um, a little flash in the pan, even though um, I think there are people in the NBA that would prefer it that way. Um, what now that we're, pretty far into this how are you feeling about this movement that Kyrie and Avery Bradley are leading
1: well I think it's not as surprising to me as maybe it is to others I guess would be my answer Uh, I covered Kyrie as you guys know all last year he was in Boston for a couple of years I spent a lot of time talking with him Um, we had a lot of long conversations some that made it onto our website some that did not and I can tell you that everything he is saying now are frustrations that he explained and described to me a year ago. And uh, you know Kyrie pretty well, Brian, because you covered him in Cleveland. This it, bo- it has always bothered him that don't look at me as just a basketball player. Don't look at us collectively as just basketball players. We're strong black people who have strong views About how we've been treated our whole lives so these are things that he's been thinking about for a while um you know I, i can understand the frustration of some of the other players because he was on that call and asked you know according to the reporting all of our fine writers have done on our site innocuous questions didn't share some of his thoughts and um you know hesitations, if you will, about going to Orlando and, uh, and going was on the union calls, what you're talking right. about. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then, of course, later on, the rest of this emerges. But I also covered Avery Bradley for many, many years. He is a very thoughtful person who is not a um, an impetuous person by any means. I agree. He obviously feels very, very strongly about this. And, and I admire and respect it, frankly. Now, do I think it is going to waylay the return of the NBA. I do not. Uh, in my conversations with coaches and GMs and some players, I haven't talked to a ton of players. I don't want to suggest that I have. I've talked to some. I don't get the impression that this will derail the NBA's return. So let's, let's look at it for what it is then if it gets people thinking more about what has to happen when they go to that bubble, and already we're seeing it in this report, it talks about excused absences from the bubble, includes protests. Would it have included that if Kyrie and Avery Bradley had not stepped forward? I'm not sure it would have. Tim, the more I hear about this, um,
0: Avery Bradley, uh, I think it was an interview to Woj and Ramona, but I can't,
2: There's Woj and Malika Andrews. Malika.
0: Malika. Right. Some of the stuff that Avery said, at first I didn't quite understand. I mean, I understood that they were angry and frustrated um, and concerned that the the attention shouldn't be on basketball. That I understood. But I didn't understand totally what their point was. Avery articulating to Malika and Woj about what they want, which is more uh, representative hiring. On benches, more representative hiring in front offices. These are reasonable uh, and uh, honorable, and frankly righteous requests. I'm not sure it can be fixed by July 31st, but that that is a more rational thing, and I can I can understand and get behind it and see what they're talking about than um, than maybe the the concept that was first the concepts that were first loaded on this. Right, and and
2: you know they go further than that. They're, you know, he's they. This coalition specifically asking the NBA to make donations to organizations that serve Black communities, to have partnerships with Black-owned businesses and arena vendors. And these are things. Look, the players have leverage, obviously, and those are those are things that uh, they certainly can and uh, should and have every right to be pushing for. And I think those are things that the that the NBA league office is going to be very open. To uh, to figuring out how exactly to make that work. Now the idea to me, you know, I, I really, frankly, I just I agreed with Austin Rivers' response. What he posts on Instagram. The idea, and and I say this, look, I'm a forty something year old white dude. Obviously, my opinion is just my opinion. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But my opinion is these guys deciding not to play basketball. I don't. I don't understand how that would help further the the cause, and how how would that aid the Black Lives Matter movement as opposed to you know Austin Rivers saying, "Hey, we go play basketball. You know, we are generating a ton of of uh, salary that we can invest in our community. You know, we can invest to to help the Black Lives Matter movement." And then the, the other thing is they are giving them, you know, they're, they, they are, I don't want to say being, they will have a platform where whatever message they want to get across, I mean, there will be a, an international spotlight on that bubble in Orlando. And, you know, whether it is, you know, press conferences, whether it's, you know, uh, actions, if there is a national anthem played, which I'm not sure, you know, I don't know how that's going to work out. You know, shirts worn and shooting like whatever the case may be, there's going to be a just a tremendous platform for these players to, uh, you know, to, to get across whatever messages they want to get across. And I think by not by deciding not to play, I think they would be sacrificing a massive platform.
0: Well, Avery, Avery basically said, look, uh, you don't need us to wear a T-shirt to say to, to make everybody aware there's racism. and it, And it's not just the money that we earn. That we can give to our community. We want money invested from the NBA. And I, I think I thought that was yeah. rational. I just don't know if that can be, you know, if you, if you read anything at all, and I can just tell you, I will not go granularly through this protocol, but having read the hundred some pages, I can tell you that the amount of work that went into this is exhausting just to read, much less to what they actually had to do. Um, frankly, this is not something they probably want to hear. The NBA has got their hands full trying to battle this health crisis right now. Um, that may not be something that is, uh, is fair, but I think what Adam Silver and the union have to do is basically make an agreement to focus on these issues once they get this bubble going. And, you know, it's like one of these things like Avery Bradley asking for the NBA to make investments in the black community. Is absolutely a fair ask. Right now the NBA is operating at a billion dollar loss to, uh, this, this, uh, this event in, um, in Orlando is every single day they will lose money. Um, and you've got players coming and saying, we want you to help pay for our insurance premiums, uh, that we are risking our, our health, uh, playing in this. And that is not an unreasonable ask either. Definitely and, not. And now Definitely you have, right. And now you have, um, uh, this coalition saying we also want you to invest in the black community. It's a very reasonable, justifiable ask. Right now it's a huge stress time to, to make that ask. And I'm, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be a priority, but, I'm just trying to be real that there's a lot of stress financially on the NBA at this moment. So, um, some of this just may have to be an agreement to look at it and find ways to do it as something that's going to be able to get done very quickly. And, um, that may not be a satisfactory answer to some players and they may not go because of it. And I would certainly understand
1: that. Um, Jackie, I think the league is prepared for that to be a reality. Right. So one of the things that one of the players said to me, uh, in the last 48 hours, his frustration is focused, focused singularly on the owners. You know, Jordan came out with Nike and said, we're going to, we're going to pledge a hundred million dollars over 10 years jointly. And, and his point was, where are all the other owners? Where are they? Where, what are they pledging? And, like during the pandemic, a lot of owners stepped up and did a lot of different things. And so for this player in particular, he's like, "But where are they on this?" And he said, "Is it agree? Did they all agree not to say anything? Where? What's going on here?" And I don't, I don't know the answers to that. I don't have the answers to that.
2: Well, it can't be that they agreed not to say anything. I mean, I went to a, an event that uh, that the Mavericks put together last week. Right. Where, you know, Cuban that. opens yeah. it up with some brief statement, uh, sent Marshall, who, you know, uh, uh, their CEO, you know, you know a, a black woman made some statements. And then they had, you know, a couple of panel discussions. And, you know, part of that panel discussion, I thought that probably the most interesting part of the uh, of the entire event was when you had the Dallas uh, police chief, who who's also a black woman, basically apologizing for policing. Uh, you know, uh, apologizing to the black and Hispanic communities and basically asking for grace and forgiveness while they, you know, try to fix a problem that's hundreds of years in the making. So, you know, that's not an NBA owner being silenced. That's an NBA owner putting together. And look, I think Cuban's got some political motivations down the line. Yes, but uh, it's st- it's still. Yeah, well, I'll go out on that limb. Um, <laughs> but it's you know, again, my point is it. That's obviously not an NBA owner who's being silenced on this issue. No, no.
1: No, But what they mean to him is, so at the end of that event, how about if Mark Cuban said, I'll match the $10 million that Michael Jordan has donated for the next year? That's what they're talking about. Yeah. Because like Steve Kerr, there was a great podcast with Steve Kerr and Pete Carroll and Greg Popovich was a guest on it. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. And Steve made the point – well, they all did. They all made the point that until white corporate America steps up financially to throw their weight behind the Black Lives Matter movement, that's what everybody's waiting – that's what this community's waiting to see. And, yeah, and, and,
2: and it is fair to say, look, you, you, you tweeted out nice little statements, but that's not worth the – the bandwidth that it took up, like that doesn't do anything.
0: So how do you balance that about, about playing basketball? I think that's the difficult situation that these guys are in. They want to support that movement and be, and be sensitive to it. But right. The, you know, I, I don't know where basketball It it's, it's complicated. It's just complicated. And I don't know if you can figure it out in this type of environment, especially where um, all these decisions are so any movement whatsoever in any direction is so analyzed right if you're if you 're a public figure i i, I don 't know i don 't know what to do, and I think that 's probably one of the reasons why we haven 't seen um, you know that 's one of the things uh, people keep asking well, how come Lebron is not speaking on this and I, you know i don 't know specifically although there was a terrible murder um, of a young uh, black woman in my hometown of Akron, Ohio, I believe it was on Monday. Uh, LeBron has spoken a little bit about that. Um, I think LeBron's looking to decide where his voice can make the most sense and where he can be the most thoughtful and have the most voice. It's just it's it's, it's a difficult time. And and meanwhile, well, these, I don't
2: think these, LeBron's been silent though. I mean, I I think he's been fairly, well, he's been I, silent on,
1: on the no, he's been silent on the Kyrie portion. Oh,
2: of on this. the Kyrie, Chi- okay, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: But I I, I don't this. think that's a bad idea. Because I think the one thing, and Michelle Roberts said it in her conversation with our reporter, Ramona Shelburne, they're discussing things. They're not fighting over it. Now, I'm sure she's correct, but you know that there are people that are unhappy with one another on each side of this. And it doesn't behoove the players, the league, or anybody for all of that to come out now. They're trying to come to an agreement that everybody can live with so they can proceed with resuming the season if, in fact – that's where they're headed, and I think we all agree that's the case,
2: right? Well, and it especially doesn't behoove them if it's LeBron versus Kyrie, which obviously those guys have history, and they're two very strong, uh, I think it's fair to say, polarizing personalities. If A LeBron versus Kyrie standoff benefits absolutely nobody.
0: I will say this is interesting. You know, LeBron and Kyrie had a, a detente last spring where Kyrie – or was it maybe his last winter?
1: Um, mm-hmm. It was last winter.
0: Where Kyrie described
1: calling LeBron. How would you just – did he apologize? To no, Jackie? he just called – what he said was, you know what? I get it now. I understand what yeah. you were trying to do with me. I was young. I was brash. I was in a hurry to be great. I didn't want to listen. Now I know how you feel because now I'm dealing with it with these young guys in Boston and it I'm was kind of a
0: backhand. Yeah, Can you believe these guys? Can you believe these strong will youngsters, Jason yeah. Tatum and Jalen Brown? You believe? Well, Kyrie's only 28, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> but he does look, he does have a ring and he's been through more than those guys have, but oh, so, course, but course. I, I wondered if Kyrie was doing that to lay the groundwork for the possibility of coming to the Lakers. Um, but by, by February, he had already sort of become betrothed. He was he never, picked- He was never
1: going to the Lakers, Brian. He never was. It just wasn't.
0: Clearly was going to happen. Clearly. But I, I wondered, I wondered if there was something else going on there besides him throwing weird shades at his teammates. But, you know, in the fall in China, uh, you know, Kyrie was there. Uh, Kyrie was in the room, uh, when Adam Silver had his meeting with the players there. Adam Silver comes into Shanghai where the siege is going on. They're ripping down the players off the side of buildings. The NBA is being, you know, excoriated, uh, after the Daryl Morey tweet. And Kyrie in the, uh, meeting, from what I believe Dave McMenamin reported, basically didn't want to play. Uh, you know, took one viewpoint and said you know he wanted to do this thing and lebron took another viewpoint they were sort of on opposite sides of how to proceed um lebron wanted to play but didn't want to have to talk to the media because they felt they were in a no-win situation and that is what happened i'm not saying it was just because lebron wanted it but so Kyrie and lebron were on the opposite you know i don't know if they were direct opposite sides of the aisle on that but they uh, that was another tense situation that was just involved in this season where they were on yeah. opposite sides of it. And I think it's pretty clear they're on opposite sides of it now because LeBron is, I think, hoping to use the attention on this continuation of the season to drive, uh, attention to his, uh, new voter initiative, um, mm-hmm. that he believes is hugely important and he is, uh, recruited, um, some of his fellow players to be involved with. So it's so many different angles to this. It's just, it's hard to keep track of.
1: But It would be simplifying. it. It's simplifying it to say it's LeBron versus Kyrie. I mean, that's that's true. That's true. But however,
0: LeBron is, is uh, definitely on the side of let's go play in Orlando. Of course. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and LeBron is also, uh, you know, has a very strong chance of winning another championship. Or, you know, Kyrie is not going to play whether, you know, whether he wanted to or not. Absolutely. Right. So, that's, that's, uh, uh, does that I, matter
0: I, though? Like, I mean, I like, I like, I think saying, like, I think saying that cheapens a little bit what Kyrie and Avery Bradley are talking about. Like, I don't think their playing or team status matters because I think Avery Bradley, you know, he's obviously, he is, he is directly rocking the boat. For his team, um, and and he, Dwight
2: Howard also yes,
0: but Avery Bradley is a more Kyrie. important player than Dwight Howard. Like like the Lakers need Avery Bradley, and Avery Bradley saying, "I am standing up for this, and I'm considering." I I, I am very. Imp- I am let's put it this way. I'm I've already kind of danced around this. I'm very impressed with Avery Bradley. I'm impressed with what he said to Malika and Woj about this, and I'm impressed with what he's putting on the line here because you know that. If he elects to make a a statement by not coming to play, it will hurt his team and it will hurt his standing. He is, he is potentially taking a risk. And, and I, what I don't know is if he, if he doesn't get something that's, that's satisfactory to him, whether or not he will go anyway. But, you know, I, I feel like I've gained some admiration from Avery. Um,
2: I don't know. And and, and, and you know what? It could, let's be honest. It could also hurt his career as, as as much as the world is changing look Mahmoud Abduruf his NBA career was ruined because he took a, a political stand same thing with Craig Hodges I mean these were very productive NBA players and these you know this is this is decades you know what 20 25 plus you know 20 30 years ago but uh, you know Colin Kaepernick in the NFL that's four years ago. I mean, as much as the Black Lives Matter movement is is becoming, I I don't know if it's more mainstream accepted is the right way to put it, but, uh, you know, however you want to put it, as much as the world is changing there, these guys are taking risks by taking strong stands. Mm -hmm.
0: Hey, I just wanted to take a quick pause here to tell you about our friends over at Scott's. Here's some breaking news for you. Scott's Turf Builder Thicker Lawn is your three-in-one solution to getting the perfect lawn that you've always wanted. And guess what? Scott's Turf Builder Thicker Lawn has announced that they've obtained the solution to getting a thick, lush, green lawn in exchange for all of your hard work pretty sweet deal for both sides scott's turf builder thicker lawn has everything you need to turn your lawn into the thick green paradise that you deserve with its three-in-one solution you can get up to a 50 percent thicker lawn with just one application with scott's turf builder thicker lawn you can finally get the thickest greenest lawn that you've always dreamt of get thicker quicker this is a scott's yard grab a bag today this is a scott's yard This is a Scott's yard. Also, Scott's no quibble money back guarantee says if you're not satisfied, you get your money back. Okay, now back to the show. I just wonder if players are paying attention to the rising COVID cases in Orlando. Oof. Um, because one of the things about this protocol, <laughs> there's, there's six different tiers, T-I-E-R, tiers of people who will have access to the campus. Tier one is, you know, your players and coaches who are sort of within the bubble. But there's a fair amount of people that are going to be people who are going to be not – um, I mean, they're going to be temperature tested and watched for symptoms and masks and wearing PPE and everything, but there, this is not going to be an impenetrable iron uh, dome. There's going to be people who are out there living in normal every single day, whether it's the people who are servicing the hotel, whether it's the people who are bringing food, whether it's the people who are making deliveries, whether it's various um, other vendors. Um, and so, while I actually believe that th- I, I'm in agreement with the epidemiologists that they can probably establish a bubble that's healthy, um, and the challenge will be to get the players to stay in it. Um, they are not making this a complete um, sterilized bubble. There's people, and in that and that and that number is a worrisome number. Right, in Orlando, you know, in Florida.
2: Florida, Florida, you know, which opened early. Same as where I am in Texas, Arizona. I mean, the, these plate, the numbers are soaring. Um, having said all that, the the environment inside the bubble, even with, like you said, some people coming in and out, some workers coming in and out. I promise it's safer than the environment and, and the pickup games that a lot, if not the majority of NBA players are participating
1: in right now.
0: That's true. and you know, Or the, going the to league. the
1: grocery store. Are you kidding me? We're the league is kind of history. the league
0: is kind of being willfully blind to the fact that these guys are having these
1: runs. Well, yeah, despite they the they,
2: highlights but, that pop up on your Twitter feed every day, right?
1: But the reason they can be willfully blind is because when they arrive in Orlando, they're going to be tested before right. they arrive. They're going to be tested while they're there. They'll be tested after. But that's why this argument when we were talking last week about. The, the older coaches and whether or not they should you know you were asking me would you let your father go i would feel better about my father going to the bubble in orlando that the nba creates than my father what he's doing now at the age of 94 walking taking his daily walk inside walmart because it's too hot in florida for him to walk outside yeah. with a now mask that's, up. Dan,
2: that's dan tony's point dan tony says look i understand there's there can never be zero risk but like you said jackie you know his once every couple of weeks' trip to the grocery store probably has more risk than, than right. coaching a game inside the bubble at Disney World. I,
0: yep. I talked to Mike yesterday about something else, not about any Rockets business or anything, about another story, another, another story I'm working on. He was out walking in his neighborhood in Houston.
1: Sure. Um, Why wouldn't he be? Giving exercise. Um, yeah. uh, you, don't, but Jack, you don't end up looking as fit as Mike D'Antoni by accident, just saying. Do you –
0: do you did you study and see what's happening with the you know the the league is reserving the right to bar to bar them yes whether or not they actually go through with that good luck with another. it good luck with it there's no legal standing for that i agree so do you think if a coach is told he can't go do you think that they will file a lawsuit because that's yes. the Oh,
2: listen, I think they're, if they're represented by Warren Lagerry, absolutely. <laughs> listen,
1: not only will they fall, fall, file a lawsuit in that regard, even if the NBA let's let's just say let's use Mike Dantoni since we're talking about that. Even if the NBA ends up letting, how nice of them, letting Mike Dantoni go and coach his Houston Rockets team. If his season ends and the Rockets don't pick up, you know, an option, don't give him a new contract, I think well, Warren may sue them anyway. Because as he said in that story I did with him, he said, you know, when Adam Silver walked back to his comments to Warren and said, you know, I probably aired and, and, you know, we probably jumped the gun a little bit on that. He said, I appreciate that very much, Adam, but you can't make people unhear what they heard. They can't – you can't make them unhear what you said and what you said is is there. It's, It's on television, national television on – you know, and so don't think that even if these guys do go – that, that that's going to alleviate the NBA of any particular – I will
0: say, though, if you want another job in the NBA, I don't think suing the league is the best idea. But um,
2: Yeah, and I think they'd have a tough time proving anything with the Rockets considering how much you know, reporting has been done about the
1: well, likelihood
2: that this is it for him there.
1: Well, and here's the other thing. Mike D'Antoni. Although the
2: Rockets if, continue to deny that. Go on.
1: If Mike D'Antoni is done in Houston after this year – I don't believe Mike D'Antoni will be unemployed for very long if he chooses to work again. I don't know if you guys I would agree. Okay, so that's why we won't have any litigation is my my feeling. But I'm just telling you, if they bar them, I'll join the lawsuit for them. You guys are going to bar me from going to Orlando? By the way, I don't want to go. But if I were to go, um, I'm almost 60. You're going to tell me I can't go because I'm the oldest person in our our staff. You're going to tell me I can't go? I you know that's not legal. Uh, you, know, Bet it. that's, you know it's it's you know it's an age violation. And I have said this a thousand times. Age is a relative number. There are forty-year-old people who are in horrible shape, physically, emotionally, and otherwise. And then there are people like Mike D'Antoni who takes care of himself, who works out, who who's fit, who's healthier than than many people half his age. So that's why using age as the as the number. And I get. About the COVID thing. But the other thing is, if you're fit, you know, you have a better chance of fighting it off. I I just, this really bothers me. I kind of feel
2: like this is a personal attack, Jackie. My goodness.
1: (laughs) We'll have to see.
0: I have to say, Jackie, um, I would say about six to 10 NBA folks, including some head coaches. Who listen to this podcast thank you very much for listening best of luck in Orlando gentlemen uh mentioned to me
1: about our exchange on the last yes they, I've heard, they liked I've heard, it they I've liked heard quite it quite a bit I've heard quite a bit of that as well Brian so anyway uh but uh, so this whole thing is we we've always known it's not perfect the the um this that Avery and Kyrie have thrown really just in a, in my mind an additional wrench into the proceedings I don't think it will stop these guys um from having good thing I talked to one person who is very close to the NBA his idea was whoever goes to you know goes to the bubble and gets interviewed on Zoom or however else we do it first question they should all answer black lives matter and start with that every time and then try to initiate dialogue in post game cuz i think the one thing that steven jackson and others have said that that does resonate with me a little bit is the idea of once you put the games back on TV and all the silly commercials start and all the noise starts, I can see why that message could be diluted. I, I do think there's a kernel of truth to that, frankly. I do.
2: Well, and look, if we're, if we're going to be real honest about it, I think it's also kind of on – it's our responsibility as as the media to read the uh, the, the temperature of the, of the country and the world – and certainly, I, I don't think that basketball-intensive stories, as, as they're reporting to Orlando, are, are necessarily appropriate.
1: Agreed.
0: I Agreed. was going to say, it's, this, this is such a complicated thing. I've, um, our colleague Tim Bontemps, he has said that he thinks this undertaking uh, is the most challenging and important thing that the NBA has done in its 74-year history. I don't know if you can completely say that but my gosh is this so challenging this the the financial safety political social um medical logistical aspects of this are just unbelievable and
1: uh it won't be a, perfect someone's uh, going to get more than one person is going to get this virus. I don't know what it's going to mean, how it's going to disrupt things. They have all their plans in place. I've read it. I understand what can happen. We don't need to review you know, those, it here.
0: Those plans aren't totally complete because they don't really say what's a critical mass. You right. Know? Like, um, I, I think the biggest test will be if slash when someone tests positive in Orlando, not next week because next week when testing starts – I, I, I don't know how public they will be with it, but next week when the testing starts for the players who are beginning to work out at the facilities, we're going to have positive tests. We've seen the positive Dozens. tests in, in college. We've seen yeah. it in sure. NFL. Sure, everywhere. Yep. Okay. So, and, and by the way, that's good. Number one, if someone's sick and doesn't know it, they need treatment. Number two, you need to identify who's sick, isolate those folks and try to get them healthy and get them out of the population before they can spread it. Um. Fortunately, for most folks who've been, who've had it in the NBA, they've been able to fight it off. We just had Mike Malone, the coach of the Denver Nuggets, say that he had it in March. He revealed that, um, and talked about fighting it off. Mo, for most people, it's been something they've been able to fight off. Um, uh, everybody in the NBA, Um uh, the only, uh, tragedy is with, uh, Carl Anthony Town's mother, um, which is just mm. horrible. unspeakable. So the thing I think is, in Orlando, if someone tests positive, what will the reaction be? Now they will have a protocol. They will say, okay, now you go over here to this special isolation room, and we're gonna test you again and we're gonna give you treatment and everything like that. But what will the effect on the other players be? If you are in the middle of a playoff series, let's say let's say the Dallas Mavericks are playing the LA Clippers. LA Clippers. All right. And somebody on the Mavericks tests positive after game one because they're testing him every day. We've isolated that player. Does everybody feel comfortable coming back for game two? But I don't know the
1: answer to that. But here's the absurd part of it, right? So I, you know, I've read, I haven't read all the report, but I've read most of it, and they're talking about playing cards and how they're going to be playing card. You know, they're going to be allowed to play cards and they have to discard of the pack every time they're done playing. So this to me is ironic. We have all these protocols for playing cards. We do understand that the game of basketball is going to be played on a court with a ball that everyone will be sharing. And all these grown men will be sweating profusely, just like they always have. It's absurd when you think when I read I was reading this stuff about the cards and I'm like, okay, that's cool. What's going to happen when you're when you're playing man to man defense in the final minute and you're going to double team a guy in the post? And I mean, come on, you know.
2: The but don't that- don't play doubles in ping pong. <laughs> well,
1: this is what I mean. It's yeah.
0: so well, funny. you're. Yeah. I mean the. Um, so look the the epidemiologist that I talked to, uh, who works at Princeton, she cited her biggest fear, which was the choir in Seattle, which was back in March, yeah. February, February or March. Um, where they were in a closed room and they were all singing and, right. um, about uh, roughly half of the folks came down with, uh, the virus. The virus yeah. Because it's an enclosed environment with everybody, you know, yep. expelling. Well, this is kind of what basketball is. So we're just gonna, we're gonna hope for the best and prepare for the worst. And I can, I, I have no idea what will happen. I, I can only hope that it works and everybody is safe and, I can tell you that they have left no stone unturned, and the roadblocks have kept coming and they're keeping coming and the amount of work that's gone into this is just staggering and yeah it I, is
1: uh, it is they've done the best they can, and that's i mean if you're looking for zero risk or a no fault, you know it's not there, you're, there's a reason everybody's going to sign a waiver when they walk into that bubble that's true
0: um. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of legal hours built to put that together. Yep. Um, all right. Well, thank you for listening to Hoop Collective podcast. Uh, uh, again, I remain hopeful about basketball. You know, there's going to be transactions. You know, actually, we're actually going to see some transactions. I don't know if they'll be that interesting, but, um, it'll be transaction time. So, um, we'll have that to talk about. Hope everybody enjoys the rest of your
1: week and thank you for listening. Stay safe.